Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. We're going to talk about some sex stats, orgasms, erections, all kinds of fun things. You ready, G? I'm ready. Stats, always helpful. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Just as we begin, please remember to check out Uberlube. Uberlube.com is where you can get this great lubricant and help support Foreplay Radio. Boys like stats. You know, baseball stats. That's right. It's We can measure success and make changes. You know, it's something real intangible instead of all this fluffy emotional stuff. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of talk right now in the news about the orgasm gap. Have you heard that? I have not. So basically, they're saying men get more than women, have more orgasms than women. It's not fair. That does not sound fair to me. That is not fair. Although my husband likes to say, what we can do fast, you can do much better. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so many women, I think it's like 90% of men, when they have sex, have an orgasm. And okay. only about 50 to 60% of women report that they do. And especially with sexual intercourse. I mean, we've kind of hit this pretty hard on the podcast that what every couple sees is that sexual intercourse is the pinnacle of the experience and she should have an orgasm and he should have an orgasm maybe at the same time. And really for most women, they can't do that. And it, you know, so many men get worried about it and it's really more about her anatomy than it is about his anatomy. It's like if her clitoris is closer to her vagina, then she's more likely to be one of those women, one of those rare women that stood in front of the line when God passed it out, that she can have an orgasm through sexual intercourse. Right. What do you think, though, growing up, like, when did you learn that? Did you ever learn that? <laughs> when do men learn this? Men do not learn this. Mm. I think it should be taught in that high school sexuality class, you know, how... The clitoris, it's just like the penis. That's the sex object in a woman. And, you know, that men are not told that. Like, mm -hmm. you put on a Hollywood movie. I saw a stat that 90% of couples are not having what you see in a Hollywood movie. Oh, yeah. Which is a mutual intercourse orgasm. Right. right? And Always. yet, if, if that's our bar, that's what we think it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. We're set up for struggle. I, Top Gun came out when I was first sexual. This is a long time ago. I don't know if, if anybody out there remembers the remake you're talking about, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I remember them. You know, it just like happened. It was in the afternoon. It was such a sexy scene, and I just remember them getting up and going, "Well, like, 
who cleans up the wet spot? You know, like, and he's like, I'll go take a shower. I'm like, you mean you didn't take a shower first? I just was so not, you know, suddenly I was seeing things in a different way. Hmm. They both, they both climaxed. You could see it on her face, right? Right. My husband and I just also watched when Harry met Sally again, the Meg Ryan scene. Yeah. Love that one. Well, it's again, this gap is, is important. And some of why we're doing this is to get good information out there. So what other stats you got for me? Okay. So basically if a woman, if she has simultaneous clitoral stimulation, then about 21 to 31% of women say that they can't have orgasm during intercourse. But if you ask women, like, what's your most reliable route to orgasm? This is research by Lori Mintz, who wrote Becoming Cliterate. It's a great book. She's been on our podcast before your time, G. But she says only 4% of women would say intercourse. If you ask them, what's your most reliable route to orgasm? Only 4% say that. Say that intercourse is? Yeah. Okay. So if you don't even add in, if you don't ask them directly, you know, intercourse plus stimulation or this, that, and the other, if you don't suggest anything, you just ask them point blank, they uh, only 4% would say intercourse. So that's a really, really low number. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, women think they're failing. They often come in and tell me, and I've said this a hundred times, but I bear saying again, I don't have orgasms the right way. I can't do it the right way. I can't do it with my partner. I mean, a lot of people come in and say, you know, I want to learn to have orgasm with sexual intercourse. I'm like, okay, do the best we can here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that it should be a goal. I think the goal should be pleasure. And that's the other thing is the orgasm gap. If she's not having orgasms, you know, some women want a particular encounter just to be close. You know, they want to have sexual intercourse even. They, they want to touch. They want to be naked together. They don't necessarily want an orgasm. That's fine. That's their call. But over the long haul, without orgasms, she's just not going to want to do it. Right. So if the guy is focusing on thrusting, yep, which isn't really, it's going to be more the grinding and hitting the clitoris that's going to create more of that kind of pleasure contact. and contact right. during intercourse. Yes. So how does, how does a woman and, and a guy focus more on that? In the intercourse, or would that be helpful? Yes. So, I mean, they've got to kind of slow down. I mean, it, it's, I think what he slow has. Slow down. Seen, Don't you're supposed to speed up. <laughs> well, that's men true. get all these mixed signals. Well, that's what we're going to talk harder. the second half about that. <laughs> it is. Con- poor men. It's so confusing. I think the problem as a woman is she doesn't feel a lot of agency about a lot of the women I talk to and and some of you out there, I love you girls. I know you do. I know you can talk about it, but a lot of women will not tell their partner, Hey, this is what I need. Could we slow it down a little bit? Could we angle it like this? Uh, this angle works better for me. You know, I like it when you're getting, I, I mean, she's really got to open up and that is so hard to do. I love that line. I'm writing it down. This angle works better. That if you hear that, that feedback's so important. 
right? That doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. How do we embrace that as men to say, this is good stuff. We're getting kind of some really accurate feedback around how to increase our partner's pleasure, right? You <laughs> can't possibly know it because you, you can't feel it, right? So, you know, getting that feedback, I'm just saying, bring it on. And I, I want the men out there that kind of just kind of be open to that. This is so important. We, to should, kind of, we should put this on YouTube, just the film of us, George. I wish people yeah. could see you right now because when George heard that, he's like, he's got his arms open. He's like, yeah. hey, tell me, tell me. This tell angle, me. That's, this angle that makes it more fun anyway. This is like, you know, it's so hard to, to resist that that impulse that said, oh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm being criticized and mm-hmm. not want the feedback. But that's such a brave thing to say, you know, that mm-hmm. I don't have a clitoris. I don't know what it's like different angles that if you give me that feedback and I'm open to that, like that's how we get better and more in sync and mm-hmm. really get more responsive to each other. It's how I feel better too. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to train my brain to say, bring that on. This is, this is feedback. Yeah. So important. Yeah. I, 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 and I love that, what you're saying. I, I think that this conversation in our culture has become an angry conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think people listening to foreplay radio, they're, they just want what you've said. They want to do it better. I think our male partners want their female partners to have orgasms desperately, you know, because they want it to be good for them. But I, I do think in the culture, this is a, a demand kind of conversation and, and unfortunately, it isn't a loving conversation that's really helpful. And the setup is tragic because if you're a woman who doesn't want to give feedback and you're a guy who doesn't want to get feedback because that means you're doing it wrong, then where does that leave you? It leaves you without orgasms and with a partner who's having lower desire. That's yep. where it leaves you. And as a woman, it leaves you high and dry. <laughs> high and dry. <laughs> Where's the high part? I get the dry part. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, I think we're trained as women to just value our partner's orgasm. You know, we we did good if they came, right? Then it's good. And then it's over. I just think that's why women look back at their early days often of dating when there was just gobs and gobs of foreplay and touching and stuff. And it's like those were the good old days mm-hmm. um, because, you know, sex in married life or in partnered life over time gets relegated to the evening, to low energy times, to 20 minutes versus staying in bed all day. But she'll say too, you know, I don't have time to stay in bed all day. That's problematic. Mm -hmm. There was a study in Finland and Finland has made improvements just culturally. Somehow or another, they've learned to prize female initiation and they've seen that it's increased over 50 years that women initiate sex more often than they used to 50 years ago. Whereas in the States, like with the free love movement of the 1970s and 60s and 70s, we haven't actually improved that much uh, in terms of women changing, initiating in general. So they did this. And that's one of the important factors in female orgasm. I, I mean, I think it's because she feels sexual desire and she's willing to act on that. So she's a little more mentally primed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I would say, you know, for most women, their, their mind and their body just don't connect as well as for men. You got to have sexual desire going. And oftentimes sexual desire doesn't really kick in until you've already been in it in the moment for a little bit. 
Second thing is, you know, she's got to have high sexual self-esteem to be able to tell her partner this. You know, she's got to say this, I'm important. This is important. I just think there's so much pressure on women to, to not own their own pleasure. Yeah. Really, really a lot of pressure there. This is about empowering. Mm-hmm. It's it's so counterintuitive to have a conversation, to initiate a conversation is a sign of empowerment because it feels like it's going to lead to short-term criticism and distance and tension. Mm-hmm. So how do we get women to feel comfortable being empowered? Guess we got to go to Finland. Oof, yeah, Finland. My first boyfriend was Finnish. <laughs> All we did was kiss. <laughs> I don't know anything about that one from Finland. Okay, let's come back and talk some more about men and some stats for men, too. We are grateful to UberLube for still sponsoring us. This is a fantastic lube. If you haven't tried it yet, please check it out at uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay which gives you 10% off. I keep forgetting to tell people that. They can support us and they can try this great lubrication, which is really, it's made out of a high-grade silicone. And, you know, I do all kinds of ratings on lubrications just in my work. And silicone doesn't get absorbed into the body. So it, it really provides smooth touch, smooth intercourse, a great glide. It's scent-free. It is taste-free. So you can switch from foreplay to oral sex to intercourse with no problem. Well, if you're using Uber Lube to enhance and relax your body, then it's just that much easier to open up your mind and expand your heart. And having something fun that makes sex even better, I would love for you to try Uber Lube. Support the Foreplay podcast and save 10% off your order when you use the coupon code FOREPLAY at uberlube.com done two Facebook Lives for our patrons, George, and we try to do that once a quarter. We try to send newsletters and give exclusive material, but it's really, we are grateful for people who believe in our mission to help couples keep it hot and help inform people and help them talk about sex, help them get better at their sexual relationship. Right. And partnering with us is it's really an honor to know people are joining us on this mission that this is a an effort to produce and for the listeners to put aside time and and we hope that's valuable but when when we join forces it's just a lot easier to get that message out there so we so appreciate the support both financial and just to make those ratings and to spread the word because Mm -hmm. our world really needs it it does and We get so many letters from people, not just patrons, that are grateful for what we're doing and say it's changing their lives. And so if you want to help us change the world, we would appreciate that support. And certainly this is something that our hearts are in and we've given a lot to you and you can join with us. So we're back and we we don't want to leave men out and some stats so that they can know some things too. But just as we've been talking, right, George, we, we can see how much more there is to help women become more sexually empowered to talk about their experience. One of the things, the last things I want to say about women is that this idea that educating women that their clitoris is what needs to be stimulated, it's helped women with their own masturbation 
but it actually hasn't changed partnered sex. And, and we don't exactly know why that is. Maybe it's because we're not getting the word out and we're trying to get the word out today. So tell me some things about men. I, I want to know about men. Well, before we get to the men, just one last comment okay. on that. That it, Yes, if a, if a woman's not sharing the importance of the clitoris stimulation and a man doesn't really know about the importance of that, then it would make sense why those numbers in intercourse aren't changing. But they are for masturbation. So again, mm -hmm. it, it's a communication problem. It is. And that's what we're trying to force to these conversations. It's such an intimate conversation. Yep. All right. Let's talk about some stats I found helpful as a man and want to kind of just get that out there. Okay. The first thing, 10% of sexual encounters are either dissatisfying or dysfunctional. Oh, my gosh. 10%. So 10% are dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. That is just... It's coming for you. That's not a sign that you're bad or broken. It's just this is natural in a human sexual encounter. Like, how do we start recognizing? That's why the feedback's so important. Like, how do we learn from these inevitable struggles and find a way of talking about it and learning from it and coming closer together instead of just dreading it like it's the plague? I know it. How is it okay to have bad sex is what you're saying. Every once in a while, one out of 10 times at least. One out of 10, it's coming for you. So you, you better figure out a way of doing that better or it's going to actually that one out of 10 is going to grow, right? Because you start thinking we have this expectation on our head. It's supposed to be perfect all 10 times. And if it's not, uh-oh, something's wrong. And here comes the pressure. And this really starts to develop that negative momentum. So how do we like educate our boys that this is okay? It's not a big deal. It's just it, something's off the timing whatever else how do you joke about it and kind of just kind of get back to the other nine out of ten instead of letting that one become much more important than it, it should be right that one gets in your head Ooh. and whew, you cannot get it out of your head you're gonna think it's every time i'm i'm not gonna climax or every time i'm gonna lose my erection or every time she's not gonna climax or every time we're just gonna try doing it and there's gonna be no spark no magic and we're gonna quit I mean, sometimes there's just, sometimes there's just bad sex. That's right. So, so what do you say to yourself when there's bad sex? That this is part of this sexual experience. That sometimes we're not in sync, we're rushed, we're, you know, whatever the reasons, not a big deal. Put it in perspective. That's why information is really important. We wanted stats. That's an important stat. It's like when you strike out in baseball, right? You struck out. It says it's not your whole career. You struck out. Get back out there again and get a hit. <laughs> okay. So we want to reassure men that nine times it's going to be good and just let it go. Have okay. a short memory. Oh, I like that. I really like that. Short memory. At least that's another baseball line. So, Is it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you gotta. If you're a pitcher, you gotta have a short memory. You can't think about that home run you gave up. You gotta get the next out. So, gosh, there could be so many baseball metaphors that I'm missing. <laughs> I'm so well, glad see, you're doing that's... this podcast with me, George. Well, next will be the football ones. <laughs> so another stat, I, again, I think it's the importance of being able to talk about when things don't work, that men tend never to do that, right? They just brag about these exploits and these great encounters, and it sets this expectation that it's always supposed to look that way. Wouldn't it be healthy if men actually talked about when it didn't work so well, right, that you actually heard other people talking about that? 
mm-hmm. which which men normally don't have. They don't have role models or mentors to talk about the more vulnerable, struggling side of sex. They just kind of got this superhero image that just gets kind of passed down. So another. Have you? Have you no, I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever heard another man talk about bad sex? No. In your whole life. Well, as a therapist, I have yeah, obviously, as but yeah, as but not my, as a person. No. Like, in your nope. friends. No. Nope. No man ever said. Besides, maybe they were drunk and fell asleep. That's about as, as bad as it got. Mm. But not nothing real like we see as therapists, like the real inner emotional struggled world of, you know, a guy who has premature ejaculation or can't maintain an erection or, you know, all these common problems that are, are pretty universal and yet never talked about. Wow. Wow. I th- I think you know obviously I'm a sex therapist wherever I go so but even before and my girlfriends who are listening they know this you know we always talked about sex so but yeah I mean I've heard a lot more as a woman about bad good every every kind of sex do you hear men this is the other thing do you hear men brag about sex you said men do yes you do absolutely. hear men brag about sex yes like where yes. are they and do you listen to it and think is that exaggerated or, I mean, do you take it with a grain of salt or does it kind of inspire this envy of like, man, I wish I were having that. I mean, do you believe it or? It depends on what age of (laughs) developmental lifestyle you got me at. Certainly there are parts of my life where it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a way of fitting in and kind of, you know, the bragging is a way of just, Guys kind of having fun with each other, but it, you don't realize in a moment the the long term kind of message that that's sending for yourself and the imprint that it's making. If you think about youths and young adults, men, if you listen to their sexual stories, they don't realize the impact those stories will have later on. Hmm. Right. So give, another, give me an example. I need an example of what you're saying here. Well, just if you're bragging about how amazing a sex was and, you know, I picked this girl up and I did this and she was beautiful. And then, you know, that that starts to create that mindset of that that image of sex that you see on on TV. Right. That sex is about the conquest. It's about the physical. It's about the orgasm. It's about the performance. It's about the porno. Right. There's nothing in that talking about things going wrong, your emotional connection, you know, your body being present. So many things that we're trying to expand men's sexual health. You just this tunnel vision starts with these really exaggerated stories and men get stuck on that. And, you know, what might work at 20 is not going to work at 60. Mm-hmm. And yet men's mindset still pretty much stays the same. For sure. Yeah. Right. So another stat that I, I thought was helpful is four out of five men, when they're trying to have a child and they have, you know, on-demand sex, Oof. four out of five have sexual problems. That's an important stat. Right. So look at what happens when they're initiating it and they're having, you know, they, they don't have issues. All of a sudden now here comes their wife saying, hey, my, I'm ovulating. Let's go like on demand now. Now, all of a sudden, we got a little role reversal going on here. Uh, right. They're, they're not being wined and dined and romance and foreplay. And all of a sudden <laughs> they don't work Four four out of five. So to me, as a guy, that gives me some empathy for what it must be like for my partner or, you know, for that sexual withdrawer that so often is put in the position of on-demand sex. 
So true. Infertility is just a killer for sex. We went through a period of that. I was taking drugs and all this kind of stuff. And my husband, he was a trainer in this movement that he does kind of these four day trainings. And he was up in San Francisco. I was in Southern California and the doctor calls and I I have this ultrasound and she's like, well, you're ovulating. I'm like, my husband's out of town. This is really expensive. Right. You know, so I have a toddler. I put him, you know, I get a ticket, fly up there. And he's like, well, I got a break at such and such a time. You know, can you make it here by then? So there's all this stress. There's all this pressure. I got to make it by his break. And then I'm like, you know, how much time you got? And we had to find somebody in his group that would watch our son for us. And, you know, he's got like five minutes. I'm like, this is, this is really romantic. (laughs) So excited to have sex this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Well, it's a nice, it's a, it gives us a nice doorway into someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. You know, another stat, 80% of men believe their penis is too small. Oh. How can that be accurate that 80% of men think their penis is too because small? Because 99% of men watch porn and they have well, grotesque genitalia. That's why. Right? I mean, porn this- is not real. I mean, maybe there's some men like that, but that, I... Gross. We all want to have a healthy sexuality and to have a, a male sexu- healthy sexuality means loving your penis. Yeah. Right. But if, if you already th- are judging it and thinking it's too small and again, 80 percent a way out of whack number. The average penis size is between five and a half and six and a half inches. That's the average penis size. So most men, if they know that, should feel pretty comfortable. Maybe you have that, you know. 10, 20% that feel it's too small. We got to change that number, 80%, which just means they're going to be frustrated with their own penis, with their own body, which Mm. is, again, going to put more pressure on them, which is going to lead them down this road of kind of this more stressful encounter around sexuality. You know, I, I think about women who talk about, I weigh too much, my breasts are too small, this, that, and the other, but like to have your genitalia which is the most sexual part of you, be viewed as potentially inadequate, right? It's too small. Too small for what is kind of what I want to ask. But (laughs) I mean, you know, really the vagina has friction feeling only about the first two inches. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the vagina feels about stretch versus friction. Hardly any of it is really about friction. So, I mean, five, six inches, plenty. (laughs) And most women don't climax that way that we just said, right? Exactly, So it's like, if it feels good to him, it's probably good for him. Well, think about it. Most men in their head are saying, the way I please my partner is through intercourse and I have to have a large penis. How are they starting already way off base? That's so painful. That's so painful to hear. How do they get over it? I think it's it's hearing this information and to kind of appreciate what they got, right? That if they know how to become a better lover because they're open to feedback and they're understanding the importance of their partner's clitoris and then we'll kind of, how do you do better angles, right? That that's a much right. better use of their time. They're worried about their penis size. How do you do teeny tiny blowjobs? <laughs> Good oral sex. Teeny tiny blowjobs. I, I haven't heard that one before. Fingers yeah, when you introduce it I'm at getting, the end. <laughs> I'm getting freer with you, G. <laughs> All right. Okay. 
Okay, Lori, I like ending on teeny tiny blowjobs. So keep it hot. And P.S., please tune in to our Patreon page so that you can catch the next exclusive episode and our next Facebook Live. We appreciate you joining us to spread this really important message. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.